Jay Mariotti here, and my cardinal role for football's game-breaking divas is this. As long as you back up your self-promotional strut and your perpetual babble by performing on the field without any conduct drama off the field, then I love it. Amazing how likable Odell Beckham Jr. is when he overcomes his own BS to remind us what a magical player he is. Becoming the talk of Sports America this week with yet another mesmerizing one-handed catch followed by that 89-yard catch and sprint to the end zone. My God, Beckham is even ignoring the pot shots these days, including insults from Jets defensive coordinator Greg Williams. Could it be this man-child finally is growing up? Uh, I mean, everything fuels me. Um, there's, there's nothing good. Good comments about me, bad comments, everything fuels me. Um, I feel all of that. So uh, I just want to be the very best that I can. I'm, I'm going to work as hard as possible to be the very best that I can for this team, be the leader um, that I'm supposed to be. Um, just just trying to do better. As for that luxury wristwatch he's been wearing on the field, OBJ says he's done with that too while getting in a dig at the company. Is this really happening? I'm off of it, you know. I don't really have any comment about it. Um, I think uh, Daniel Wellington might be a better watch than these. It's a little classier. It's not as flashy as this one, but, um, you know, I'm just blessed. So that quickly, OBJ became the antithesis to the ongoing Antonio Brown mayhem and the upcoming star of Sunday Night Football as the Browns, the Cleveland Flippin' Browns, host the Rams in the biggest game in that woebegone football city since, since, since when? Welcome to Unmuted with Jay Mariotti. The podcast is devoted to making sports talk great again. Few have made more impact in sports media than Jay, and certainly no one has been called more names. Some actually true. He's the fiercely independent lightning rod who has produced massive ratings for ESPN's Around the Horn, made powerful waves as a national and major market talk host, and ruled Chicago as a columnist for 17 years. For 17 years. Unmuted is a topical whirlwind that doesn't stop until all the news is analyzed. So here he is, back from his day job in Hollywood. Back from his day job in Hollywood. For the next half hour or so. Or maybe 40 minutes, depending on the Lakers, Raiders, Trump, and Odell Beckham Jr.'s latest mood swing. The one, the only, Jay Mariotti. Just because Tom Brady is defying life itself at age 42 does not mean other elite quarterbacks can do the same in their 40s and late 30s. Between Drew Brees' serious thumb injury, Ben Roethlisberger's season-ending elbow surgery, and Eli Manning's benching, that's two Hall of Famers and a possible third in Manning, the theme is obvious and ominous. Attrition at the most important position in team sports is indeed the biggest story so far of the NFL's 2019 season. In the case of Breeze and Roethlisberger, they've been known for their durability as much as their prolific careers. And then you throw in Andrew Luck, whose early retirement was forced by relentless injuries, and Nick Foles, the Super Bowl hero who broke his collarbone in his Jacksonville debut, and then Cam Newton, a battered shell of his former self, 
And look at what's going on here. Quarterbacks are going down like never before. No fewer than six teams will start a QB this week who was a backup in training camp, including the Jets on their third starter in three weeks. Thus, the practice of going cheap and pedestrian on backups no longer is wise for any team. A club must have two legitimate QBs for protection. And I'm prepared to say that Roethlisberger, Manning, and Newton are finished. Three massive names in modern football history. They are done with Breeze not far behind. It's sad, but this is the new reality of the NFL, which means the health of Brady is what we're watching closer than anything else right now in this league, especially as his offensive line is dealt another blow with the loss of left tackle Isaiah Wynn. Then again, if Dolphins linebacker Raekwon McMillan is being truthful when he says the ref told him to, quote, stay off Tom, unquote, after a legal hit on Brady, then what's there to worry about? If all goes right, and I'm actually saying this right now, the Patriots, armed with a stealth defense that has not allowed a touchdown since January and playing in a pitiful division with two 0-16 type teams in the Dolphins and Jets, they just might make a run at 16-0 again, repeating their feat of 2007. Yeah, I said it. I know they have the Browns in October, the Cowboys in November, and the Chiefs in December, but those games are in Foxborough. And yeah, they'll be threatened in Baltimore and maybe Philadelphia, but I think you're getting my point here. If Brady stays upright, the Patriots are beelining toward another AFC title game, at the very least a showdown against the Chiefs and a possible Super Bowl repeat and a seventh championship. Ugh. They don't need Antonio Brown or the baggage he brings to a franchise with way too many past scandals to step into this gutter. And the NFL, if you haven't noticed, is moving quite slowly on the rape and sexual assault allegations against Brown, scheduling no meeting with him even after meeting with his accuser for 10 hours this week. Remember, Roger Goodell can place Brown on the commissioner's exempt list, keeping him out of uniform without a criminal charge. Goodell can do so as solo judge and jury in the corroboration process if he believes he has reasonable cause to place Brown on that list. Short of that, Brown remains eligible to play for the Patriots who continue to hype him up as if there's no problem here, posting a video of Brown and Brady whooping it up after his touchdown catch in Miami. Brady takes the snap and retreats. He looks left. He fires the back shoulder. Yeah. Brown! Touchdown Patriots inside the near left pylon. Welcome to New England, kid. What a throw. I know you heard it up, baby. Great throw. Way to go. Way to go, baby. Great drive. That's what we needed, boys. Still, Brown is a sidebar to the main objective. They need to keep Brady off the injured list, and Bill Belichick might start by yanking Brady out of blowouts, such as the one coming this Sunday against the Jets, who already are down to third stringer Luke Falk at quarterback, as Coach Adam Gase predictably is playing media arsonist with the benching of Jamal Adams, who also ripped the NFL as, quote, a damned joke, unquote, because of, quote, the soft rules protecting quarterbacks, unquote, while vowing to keep playing, quote, my brand of football, unquote, after 
Adams was fined 21000 plus for a roughing penalty on Baker Mayfield the other night. And to think Belichick actually said these nice things about the woeful Jets? Okay, it's another, uh, you know, another big week for us in the division. So uh, it's always, always tough with the Jets. Um, we know that. So, uh, you know, first of all, just with uh, Adam, um, you know, I think he does a terrific job. Uh, certainly, we've had a ton of problems playing against him in the past. He's a very good, um, really good football coach. Does an excellent job with the team. Certainly, offensively, uh, creating problems for um, all defenses, especially ours. Uh, so, you know, that'll be a big challenge for us. Just you know, handling the, um, you know, the strategic aspect of the game, matchups that that he creates. <laughs> It was just a dumb fantasy, I know, the idea of Eli Manning performing well in a mentor's role to Daniel Jones. Manning has not performed well in years, and honestly, I'd rather see him in a ball cap than watch him crash as a modern-day YA tittle. Look it up, kids. Giants might not win more than a game or two this year themselves with an awful defense and no receivers. Jones certainly isn't ready for this, but I'd rather see him learn under duress then watch Manning crumble at 38. Eli might be too nice a guy to be a coach or a broadcaster. And I'll tell you what, a lot of debating about whether he's a Hall of Famer. I say no. Too much inconsistency and old age futility to be a Hall of Famer in my book, though my guess is voting politics in that Manning family aura eventually will get him in. Here was Eli dealing with his new normal after leading... Did you know this? All NFL quarterbacks in interceptions since his second Super Bowl victory way back in 2012. You know, uh, you know there's no, no other option but just to handle it and uh, do my job, support, uh, support my teammates, support the Giants, and you know, do what I you know, can do to try to help uh, uh, you know, go into football games. And, and right now that's uh, you know, getting Daniel and helping him and, and uh, supporting him. You can wish all you want. That's not the way it played out, and, and uh, you know. So, uh, in some ways, you, you know, I signed up for this. No one, uh, you know, when you draft a young quarterback, this this can happen. I'm not dying, and the season's not over. So, there's there's a lot, lot to be positive about, a lot to be grateful for, and uh, you know, and and so I just gotta, you know, kind of accept my new role and, and make the best of it. You know, uh, again, I'll, I'll get into the futures later on. So right now, my, my futures, yeah, I'm the I'm the second string quarterback for the Giants, and, and I got to get myself ready to play, uh, and and you know do do whatever I'm uh, I'm called upon and feel I need to do to help out the rest of my teammates. He says he's not dying, but that's because his career died three years ago. Eli, please retire. Don't stick around. And remember when I scolded Mike Tomlin and Steelers management for letting Brown and Le'Veon Bell walk all over them? No discipline. Remember when I said they were allowing their title window to close because these guys were running amok? Well, the window just slammed shut in Pittsburgh with Roethlisberger out for the year. And while Big Ben, the competitor, might not want to retire after an injury, Big Ben, the financial maven, just might. The $68 million extension he just signed, that included $30 million that is guaranteed for injury in 2020 and 2021. Meaning, if he chooses to retire this offseason, the Steelers are stuck with $55 million of dead salary under the cap. 
And I'm not sure there is any sort of trade market for Big Ben at 38 when he's owed $68 million those two years. And hasn't he entertained retirement before? Why would he want to lose in Pittsburgh or wear a ball cap or so on? I think he's going to retire. So the Steelers' reign as annual AFC contenders is over, replaced in the AFC North by the Ravens, who have developed Lamar Jackson as a two-way force, and perhaps the Browns, who certainly have the talent to make a run if they don't implode beneath their super egos. Here is the replacement for Big Ben, Mason Rudolph, trying to keep the Steelers' story from dying. I mean, you know, I, I uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's obviously um, losing, you know, our, the lead of our team, um, but um, you know, just kind of a crazy turn of events with an, an injury. But um, you know, I'm excited to uh, step up, I and mean, that's that's what backups do. That's what I've done my entire career, whether it be you know, high school, college, or, or now, and, and uh, nothing different for me. So I'm just going to be the same person I am, continue to prepare. I, I told you guys I, I try to prepare like I'm the starter when, when I'm not, and uh, I'm going to continue to do the, go through my same weekly routine and, and um, you know, get it, put a good game. As for the Saints, the loss of Breeze makes their path to the NFC postseason difficult, let alone their dreams of overcoming two heartbreaking postseasons and maybe winning a Super Bowl this year. Forget about that. Teddy Bridgewater never has been the answer for any NFL team. And dual-threat athlete Taysom Hill is untested as a regular QB. So with upcoming games at Seattle and at home against Dallas, this could be another bummer in New Orleans, a city already dealing with an alarming succession of bad officiating calls. So the moral of this quarterback in carnage Sometimes you can stick around way too long, vulnerable to either injury or career regression. Either way, it's painful, and if Breeze has a chance to come back and maybe lead a playoff drive late, I'm hoping we have seen the last of Ben and Eli. I would prefer to remember the best of those quarterbacks than to see these unhappy endings. All of which will lead to that same old tired question. You know what it is. Why isn't Colin Kaepernick getting calls from Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Carolina, Jacksonville, and others? And here's my same answer. He has not taken an NFL snap in three years. He hasn't been more than a serviceable quarterback, if not a bad and turnover-happy quarterback, since, I don't know, 2013 He told a few of us in San Francisco in 2015 that he doesn't need football in his life, which speaks of his indifference for the game, and he probably would kneel during the national anthem when we've all moved beyond kneeling, and when teams desperately trying to make the playoffs don't need that drama anymore. So forget it, okay? In 32 NFL cities, Kaepernick is not walking through that locker room door, and I'm more than good with that. On to the games and the teams that matter, starting with two unbeatens, the Chiefs and the Ravens. This is an early game Sunday that really should have been a primetime feature, if only to watch the continuing marvel that is Patrick Mahomes as he faces Lamar Jackson. And if the Ballyhooed Ravens defense struggled at times against Kyler Murray, what's going to happen in Arrowhead Stadium against an all-time unstoppable offense? Also, Lamar Jackson on the road. 
I think he's going to hit a wall. Chiefs 34, Ravens 16. Rams at Browns. Much as I want to say Baker Mayfield and OBJ are ready to handle prosperity, the Rams are a poised, seasoned opponent who will exploit a bubbling inferno of lakefront primetime emotion. And much as I want to say Miles Garrett will terrorize Jared Goff, I say Cooper Cup has returned as Goff's safety blanket in these situations. I also say Aaron Donald terrorizes Mayfield while the Rams defensive backs rattle Beckham with smothering coverage and trash talk. This is a must-watch game just to see the dog pound rise again only to sulk away after another tough loss. Rams 24, Browns 20. The Giants, from owner John Mara on down to coach Pat Shermer, aren't giving Daniel Jones the best chance to win on the road in Tampa against an improving Bucks defense. But then, this team is so bad, when is a good time for Jones? Give the ball to the historically wasted Saquon Barkley and hope for the best, but even Jameis Winston can excel against this dissension-filled mess of a defense. And Bucks coach Bruce Arians is 6-0 against rookie quarterbacks, Buccaneers 26, Giants 17. Seattle hasn't lost a September home game in the Pete Carroll era, and with all the quarterbacking attrition out there, Russell Wilson has firmly entered the NFL elite at that position as a passer and a leader. If anybody can survive without Breeze, it is Sean Payton, but not on this day, not in Seattle. Seahawks 34, Saints 17. And even if the great Adam Vinatieri hadn't missed seven kicks of late, the Colts would not stand much chance against the rejuvenated Falcons. But with Vinatieri in the worst stretch of his legendary 24-year career, Colts fans are wondering why they're cursed between this and Andrew Luck's retirement. Falcons 24, Colts 14. Houston travels to the quaint suburban soccer stadium to play the Chargers in what looks like a wildcard tiebreaker to me. Deshaun Watson already has been sacked 10 more times after 62 sacks last season, and he just might perish, die behind an offensive line, I shouldn't laugh, that hasn't improved and has allowed four or more sacks in eight straight games. Why did they give up so much for Laramie Tunsil again? The Chargers defense has been hurt by injuries, but come on, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram will have free reign. But if the Chargers offense doesn't improve with Austin Eckler struggling last week, hold up, Melvin Gordon will have the leverage in the ongoing stalemate. Already, Gordon is hitting the organization where it hurts, saying nobody in LA cares about the Chargers. He's right. Chargers 20, Texans 17, all kinds of tickets available in that 25,000-seat uh, stadium. Dak Prescott, with seven TD passes and only one pick so far, continues his push for a record contract with, I'm going to actually predict this, five more touchdown passes against the tanking 0-16-bound Dolphins, a national embarrassment, and possibly the worst team of the modern era, having traded their best player, cornerback Minka Fitzpatrick, to the Steelers. Try not to giggle as general manager Chris Greer explains the grand tanking plan, not mentioning that he's also tanking for Tua Tungavailoa. 
Yeah, no, we've talked about building this long term with sustained success right away. And for us, uh, we'll be very aggressive. Um, you know, we're not going to sit here on a bunch of money or anything. I mean, the plan is to uh, build a winner here. Um, no one likes losing. Um, and we've talked about building a team that's going to win and, and win and compete for championships for a long time instead of being in this one year and then you fall back for two or three. So, um, again, it's long-term vision, but uh, we will be aggressive. Cowboys 45, Dolphins 0-3, minus three. Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers look wild card bound, going 3-0 and at home and leaving Mason Rudolph with a red nose bruising. 49ers 27, Steelers 13. With Newton's career in doubt, this is a good chance for Kyler Murray to start putting the ball in the end zone and for Cliff Kingsbury to call some running plays for the rookie QB against Reeling Carolina. Cardinals 20, Panthers 16. And all I have to say amid all of this quarterbacking attrition is that Carson Wentz better stay healthy. He was not healthy after the Atlanta game, and with Deshaun Jackson out, I smell an upset that will make Philly fans angrier than another Bryce Harper strikeout. Lions 19, Eagles 17. If Kirk Cousins can't throw the ball, then the Vikings can't take advantage of a Raiders pass defense that allowed four TDs to Mahomes in one quarter. But this game is in Minneapolis where Derek Carr will be rattled and Dalvin Cook carries the cause for Minnesota. Vikings 27, Raiders 14. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur already have had a public disagreement, and yet the Packers will be 3-0 because Von Miller and Bradley Chubb have yet to sack a quarterback. Packers 24, Broncos 10. The Bills are lucking out here, playing the Jets, Giants, and Bengals right out of the chute. Still, thanks to Josh Allen's dramatically improved completion rate, the running of ageless Frank Gore, and a strong defense, Buffalo could be a wildcard team. Bills 27, Bengals 13. And finally, the Patriots, after destroying the Dolphins, get the Jets in back-to-back scrimmages. (laughs) As Adam Gase self-destructs in front of ravenous New York media who alternate between Jets and Giants bloodbaths this season. Patriots 123, Jets nil. On to baseball, where the best trade the Dodgers made is the one they didn't make. At the trade deadline, the complaint was that they didn't do enough to address their bullpen situation, such as acquiring all-star reliever Felipe Vazquez from Pittsburgh. Well, they're fortunate the deal never happened because Vazquez is in dire trouble today, charged with multiple felonies in Pennsylvania and Florida, including sexual assault of a child. According to Pennsylvania State Police, the 28-year-old pitcher, a Venezuelan native, admitted that he had sex with a 13-year-old girl whom he met while in the bullpen at PNC Park and sent her nude photographs and videos of himself committing sexual acts. In 2017, he allegedly drove to her home about an hour outside of Pittsburgh, and when he arrived, the girl said he 
pulled down her pants and tried to have sex with her. The charges, including multiple felonies, range from statutory sexual assault of a minor 11 years or older and indecent assault of a person younger than 16. This might be the latest death knell for baseball in Pittsburgh, with the Pirates operating like a small market team as it is, despite having one of the great stadiums in sports, mortifying their fans with this horrid news and also turning off fans all season with repeated locker room fights between players, including last week's tussle in which pitcher Kyle Crick needed hand surgery after Vazquez started an altercation. For this franchise to have any chance, cheap-ass owner Bob Nutting must sell the team. How about Pittsburgh native Mark Cuban buying it, even assuming he wants a major league team anymore? And I think general manager Neil Huntington and manager Clint Hurdle must go in a house cleaning. Here was Pirates pitcher Chris Archer on this nightmare. No, we don't know anything for certain. Uh, These allegations are very, very serious. Um, The term that was used earlier is is heinous. But um, again, they're right now, as far as we know, they're just allegations. There's not a whole lot we can say, but... um, I do have a 14-year-old sister, so um, it's uh, it's something that that hits home, and you know, in the U.S., you know, you're 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 innocent until proven guilty. So until due process is completely played out, um, we're just we're hoping that um, uh, this stuff's not true. How do you deal with it moving forward? Um, you know, we're, we're human beings. Uh, you can feel it in your stomach. Uh, there's definitely an uneasiness. We've addressed it, so it feels a little bit better. But um, for the sake of the people's family, for the sake of the organization, and for the sake of Felipe, uh, we hope this gets resolved and um, we can all put it behind us as soon as possible. As for the Dodgers, they held on to Gavin Lux, the prized prospect demanded by the Pirates, and now Lux looms as a possible postseason sensation as the latest homegrown Dodger phenom. Give Dodgers boss Andrew Friedman credit for slamming the brakes on that trade and not letting media and fans pressure him into a deal. Imagine if this guy was jailed in L.A. and Gavin Lux was tearing up the major leagues in Pittsburgh. A Dodgers-Yankees World Series is what most fans want, along with Fox in the MLB office itself. With Giancarlo Stanton finally returning to a Yankees lineup hobbled by more injuries than any club in Major League history. That is correct, including the partially torn Achilles of Dellen Batances in his return the other night. Yet somehow the Yankees still have a chance to win it all if some of these injured players return in prime form such as ace pitcher Luis Severino the other night. That said, the Astros, come on, remain my pick of those three super teams uh, with their all-time rotation. Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke, and a lineup with monster mashers throughout led by MVP candidate Alex Bregman. Yeah, who doesn't like the Astros over the Dodgers or the Yankees? All could finish the regular season with 105 wins, which... Never has happened before amid the current discrepancy between haves and tanking have-nots. I still want to say this, though. 
Is it possible? And maybe this is wishful thinking because I'm tired of the Dodgers in October every year and then losing. Is it possible the Atlanta Braves will pounce on the Dodgers' flaws and win a National League pennant ahead of schedule? Check this team out. They're under the radar. They are an offensive powerhouse led by MVP candidate Freddie Freeman and the electric kid outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr., and few starters are pitching better in the sport than their ace, 22-year-old Mike Soroka. Unlike the Dodgers and Yankees, who have mostly stood pat amid howls from their fans, general manager Alex Anthopoulos has made big moves in Atlanta. Josh Donaldson, Dallas Keuchel, three relief pitchers at the trade deadline. And the Braves do have the best record in baseball since Memorial Day. That's a while ago. So why not Atlanta? Or should we call them the Cobb County Braves and that they took a sweetheart deal to play in a business park 10 miles from downtown? Uh, Whatever, whoever they are, whatever you call them, I think the Braves have a shot in a seven-game series against the Dodgers. Maybe I'm alone. Sure, these superpowers may dominate, but if you like late September suspense... Look to the National League, where one of these four teams is not making the playoffs. Milwaukee, the Cubs, St. Louis, and Washington. The Cubs are limping to the finish with injuries, but they do have seven games left with the Cardinals, and my guess is the loser of that competition and that crazy rivalry will miss the postseason. And that team will be the Cubs! With Theo Epstein to blame for creating a pressure cooker vibe with lame duck manager Joe Madden, who will be fired, sadly, after they miss the playoffs. The Nationals have issues. Manager Dave Martinez is away from the team after a heart procedure. But I think a studly rotation, despite being plagued by bullpen problems, will carry them through along with Anthony Rendon. So I'm expecting the Nats to get a wild card. And I say the Brewers, even without Christian Yelich, they have the easiest schedule of the bunch, and they're going to slip in. Cardinals are going to win the Central. Max Scherzer and the Nats will beat the Brewers in the wildcard game for the right to face the Dodgers. And then I've got the Cardinals playing the Braves in the other NLCS series. That's weeks away. That's just a prediction. In the American League, I'm pulling for fans in Oakland and Tampa Bay who continue to be screwed by politics and owners who won't build ballparks with private money. An A's-Rays wildcard game would be really cool, and if you check the schedules, it should happen that way with Cleveland, the odd team out. I look at these A's, and I marvel again at how Billy Bean and David Forrest have figured it out once again, ignoring a monstrosity of a ballpark and a low budget to piece together young cornerstones in a burgeoning farm system with veterans acquired in trades who somehow helped the cause immensely. Billy Bean acquires somebody, and they're all better than they were before he got them. Would it not be cool to see the A's, as the Warriors leave for San Francisco and the Raiders for Las Vegas, reach a World Series in the Coliseum for tattered Oakland? Hey, I can dream, right? They would have to plow through the Astros and the Yankees to get to the World Series and beat the Dodgers to win it all. But wouldn't that be, that would be Moneyball to the sequel if that happened. 
on to college football, where we have a playoff game before the playoff, or sort of, anyway. Notre Dame having retreated to the national periphery after a December semifinal no-show really needs to start winning these big games against Power 5 stalwarts to remain relevant. The Irish lose every big game they play. And between the hedges with a vulnerable run defense, does anybody think the Irish can march into Athens and beat Georgia on Saturday night? No. The Bulldogs will need this one when they need leverage to sneak into the college football playoff, and they'll get it. Georgia 31, Notre Dame 18. Enjoy that Cotton Bowl, Brian Kelly. Not to make too much of Michigan's trip to Wisconsin, but if Jim Harbaugh loses this one, he should start making other plans on where to coach next season. People are tiring of his act, which includes a turnover-happy offense that is in regression when this was supposed to be the year Shea Patterson led the Wolverines to the Big Ten title. I'm liking the elusive and bullish running back Jonathan Taylor, a dark horse Heisman candidate, early and often in front of that lining kugel drunk crowd in Madison, Wisconsin 28, Michigan 10. Jimbo Fisher is supposed to win big ones for his Texas A&M Mega Millions, but he's already lost this year to number one Clemson with number two Alabama, number three Georgia, and number four LSU upcoming. So Jimbo had better beat number eight Auburn at home, and I think he will with Kellen Mond outdueling freshman Bo Nix, A&M 20, Auburn 19. And Clay Helton already is a goner at USC, a fact further sealed by a loss Friday night to the Pac-12's new premier program, Utah, which is eyeing a first-ever Rose Bowl berth, Utah in Pasadena. Uh, this is the apocalypse. Utah 26, USC 17. <laughs> And when is UCLA going to fire its athletic director, Dan Guerrero, among those front and center in the emission scandals at major universities? On his watch, UCLA was guilty of the same fraud as USC, such as allowing a Chinese student to be admitted as a phony soccer player when her mother paid $400,000 to criminal go-between William Rick Singer for that arrangement. Yet somehow Guerrero, who hired flopperoo football coach Chip Kelly for $23 million, and who was allowed a feebled basketball program to turn ordinary, has managed to keep his job. Now it's time for the buzz, our deep dive into sports and life. Chris joining the program. And Chris, we just assumed in recent years that the lifespan of NFL quarterbacks was stretching. But as we've seen so far this year, not true. What does it say, Chris, for Tom Brady, an anomaly, if not a miracle, when he is still rocking and still upright at 42, when Breeze, Roethlisberger, Eli, and for that matter, Luck, Foles, and Newton are going down? It says Tom Brady is definitely a miracle or that TB12 product line. It just could be anti-aging. I mean, what could be in it? Jay, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, Alex Guerrero. But no, Brady looks amazing. But again, watch how many times Brady gets hit in a game. The amount of time Tom Brady has. And the, the, the compliment to Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and that offensive line that is incredible. 
where Tom Brady has nothing but time. He doesn't get touched. That makes it a little bit easier. You watch Cam Newton. He's been running for his life for a season. Nick Foles goes down to Jacksonville. And that was a kind of a fluky injury. Uh, Andrew Luck, for sure, was getting destroyed for years. You know, that's part of it. So I think that's the thing. Now, now when you look at Drew Brees, that's another fluke one where Aaron Donald gets in and just it doesn't look like something that would cause the kind of injury it did, but it did. Aaron Donald's a strong guy. And Chris, is it too early to say the Patriots are 16-0 and material? They happen to be in a division with two possible 0-16 teams. They get their toughest foes at home. And the league is in no hurry, rather disturbingly, to put Antonio Brown on the commissioner's exempt list. Already the most hateable team in sports. How do we deal with more New England history it's funny. I'm ex- actually excited for this one. Maybe it's because of Antonio Brown, similar to the 2007 team that went 16-0 because of Randy Moss. It was sort of that, uh, they're bringing in the bad boy. And even though they brought in Josh Gordon, and he's a bad boy, this one, it's like you're bringing in Antonio Brown that's nothing but problems. And take aside my personal opinion about Antonio Brown and my feelings about some of this nonsense. The fact that Belichick is probably going to do it again. I don't know about 16-0, but Honestly, I don't know who beats them. So I'm actually pretty confident in saying they got a pretty good shot to go 16-0. to But there is no doubt in my mind that they are winning the Super Bowl, Jay. And A.B. will have a ring. And, Chris, don't you love it when we finally can enjoy a spectacular athlete such as Odell Beckham instead of having to deal with his jackass diva crap? Is it possible he finally, finally has grown up in Cleveland? Uh, I don't know if he's finally grown up. I mean, I think that let's just see how the season goes, because I think if they start struggling, you'll see more nonsense that he needs more attention. He's a spectacular athlete. They Every every diva wide receiver we've ever spoken about is a, a spectacular athlete. They're amazing. They're amazing athletes, but they also need amazing amounts of attention. And you could probably look back to their childhood or something went, went awry where they need that kind of attention. But I wouldn't put the whole uh, the whole category of OBJ not needing attention and not doing crazy things. I wouldn't put that on the shelf just yet. Uh, let's see how Sunday night goes against the Rams. Okay, thanks, Chris, which brings us to quickies, which are just that quick. Leave it to Steph Curry to step up after a diluted, depleted Team USA finished seventh in basketball's world championships. Curry is the first elite player to say he will play in the Tokyo Olympics. And let's hope the other elites, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, etc., don't drag out their decisions. Here was Curry in an ESPN interview. That is a plan, for sure. Uh, you know, obviously, knock on wood. You know, you know, so you're committing. Like you're you're, willing, you're going to go. Definitely want to go. That's something that uh, I've never experienced. I've never been on an Olympic team. I've been on two world. World Cup championship gold medal team, but uh, the Olympics experience that I want, and next year will hopefully be it. He's right. It's time to defend America's basketball honor and stop being selfish, bros. Ever wonder what happened to the 47 dogs rescued from Michael Vick's dogfighting operation a dozen years ago? There were calls at the time to euthanize them, but they were allowed to live in most have thrived, according to the Washington Post, which did a story on this, while enriching the lives of dog lovers. A horrid story has a happy ending. 
And what did Tony Bennett demand after winning a national title at Virginia? A record-breaking deal, bonuses, cars, annuities? Nope. Bennett turned down a raise, asking that the money be used to pay his staff more money and also to invest in that school's athletic programs. In 2019, I must ask, is this man real? Juxtaposed Bennett against perpetual scumbag Rick Pitino, who settled a $35 million lawsuit with Louisville, stemming from his departure from the school two years ago, but he received no money in that settlement. The school simply agreed that his firing now would be considered a resignation. Wow, Rick pours all that money into attorneys and gets no money back (laughs) for semantics. This way, Patino thinks he should land another job in the profession. Normally, I would laugh at that, but knowing the gutter quotient of college basketball, I'm sure somebody will hire Rick Patino. And would you trust Gary Bettman? He has done the least to improve the scope of his league of the Big Four commissioners, and Bettman has angered the players by instituting an escrow system that has taken 10% or more out of some players' paychecks. But because the NHL is doing well financially, the players have chosen not to brawl with Bettman in another labor impasse, and they have waived their right to an opt-out of the CBA, ensuring labor peace through September of 2022. Baseball, of course, facing a legal mess. The NFL facing a possible labor impasse. But at least you'll have hockey, even if the players are being undermined by a commissioner who doesn't know how to market his league and perhaps doesn't want to market his league. And did a TV reporter actually say this on a Los Angeles station? Listen closely. We tried to reach out to the man who died in this pursuit. Uh, They were unavailable for comment. Micah, back to you. And now a final Mariotti commentary too hot for ESPN, too smart for the internet, and too chill for political activism. Take it away, Jay. You don't have to watch the HBO series Succession to know the clumsy, if not tragicomic, circumstances of legendary sports owners handing down their franchises to heirs. The children often are unequipped to carry on, and they allow the patriarch's power base to wane, sometimes embarrassingly so, as we've seen with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Chicago Bears, to name two ongoing family dramas. But the mess in Denver with the Broncos right now might be the ugliest of all, as two of Pat Bolin's daughters have filed a petition challenging the trust created by their late father to determine control of that team. Beth Bolin Wallace and Amy Clemmer say Pat Bolin lacked the capacity to create this trust, which is led by longtime Broncos executive Joe Ellis, while Bolin was fighting Alzheimer's disease beginning in 2006. In essence, they're trying to stop the trust from naming another Bolin daughter, 29-year-old Brittany, to run the franchise ultimately. The trust counters by dropping hints that the two daughters in opposition might be completely disinherited. This is family feuding of the worst kind. And like the Lakers and the Bears, it's no surprise that the Broncos, one of the NFL's best-run franchises for decades, and a Super Bowl champion as recently as 2016, now are and also ran 
in which one of the sport's greatest quarterbacks, John Elway, has failed repeatedly to find a new quarterback. That's our show. For our producer and editor, Chris, I am Jay, reminding you to never, ever let anybody mute you in life.